welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I hope that you've been receiving the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. There is information in there about the latest podcast episode, plus other goings-on, including exclusives that only the people who are signed up to that list get to see first. If you are not getting that, it's quick and easy to sign up. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Philadelphia area, my guests are the co-founders of Keep Music Alive, whose mission is to promote the value of music, which they will talk further about today. To help support their mission, they have also founded Kids Music Day, which is coming up in a few weeks on October 1st, and they have founded Teach Music Week, which happens in March. They are also co-authors of a book series called 88 Ways Music Can Change Your Life. He is a lifelong musician and songwriter. She is a beginner percussionist and has recently started on the ukulele, too. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Vincent James and Joanne Pierre Domenico. Hi, everyone. Hey, Bruce. Great to be here. Yes, thank you both. Looking forward to this. I appreciate you making time to talk to me today. Absolutely. We're totally excited. We're psyched. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for doing this and for all that you're doing for the promotion of music. Before we dive into all these different initiatives that you have going, let's reveal to the audience about the two of you above and beyond all this work that you're doing together. And since there was actually a music connection here too, how the two of you first met. Ooh, so... uh many, 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 many moons ago, um, I was listening to the radio and I heard that there was going to be a fundraiser uh, for a local food bank in Princeton, New Jersey. And I was from Mount Holly and I thought, you know, this sounds like it would be a cool thing to go to. And then I heard that someone that I used to be pen pals with in high school was going to be performing there. And he actually started doing really well. He was getting hits on radio and was working with other uh, major artists. And so I called the radio station, told them my story of how he always used to send me tickets to come see him play, but I was never able to make it to New York City for those shows. So the DJ was so excited about the story. She says, you need to come. I'm going to set you guys up. You guys are going to meet. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. So that day comes, I meet this person. His name is Tommy Page. And he was just as excited to meet me as I was to meet him, which was really cool, considering he was a celeb. He was a star. And then he actually had to leave after we were done our chat. And then I stayed, you know, was watching all the performers. And then I ran into Vincent James, Uh who I thought I knew him. It wasn't. I walked up to him and I said, do I know you? (laughs) And he looks at me and he's like, um... No. <laughs> my, my my introverted self was like had a wall up and like, no, I don't know you. And yeah. then she walked away. I walked away, but and I'm like, no, I know this person. So I went back and we started talking and it turns out I knew him from my future. Mm. How 
is that anyway so yeah so we we quick became friends and then we became best friends and we fell in love and we got married and we've had four children since wow (laughs) well right now i'm wrestling with do i stop the show and describe to younger people what pen pals were or do i just move on (laughs) right on (laughs) with and pencils yeah we're, we're dating ourselves by all three of us knowing what pen pals were <laughs> well since i only briefly alluded to this in the intro tell us a little bit about your musical backgrounds do you want to go first sure well for all me right. for me bruce uh, i basically you know i'm a lifetime songwriter and musician you know i started playing uh, it was in the fourth grade i think where uh you know in, in our school district back then where you were allowed to pick an instrument that you wanted to learn to play. And I remember coming home the first day from school and telling my my, my mom and dad, I, w- I want to learn how to play the uh, the guitar. And honestly, Bruce, I don't think guitar is one of the options, but I was, you know, trying to go for a, a side case. <laughs> they said no. And so they said, go, go pick something else. So I went back to school and I come back the next day and I said, you know, I want to learn how to play drums. And they said no even louder. <laughs> Did not want the drums in the house. <laughs> why and so i ended up playing the trombone all through elementary uh junior high and high school and you know marching band concert band jazz band and then in high school and i'll I'll rewind just a little bit and i was about 11 or 12 my mom talked my dad into bringing a piano into the house my mom had always wanted to play so this was her opportunity to learn how to play the piano as an adult and I have to tell you, Bruce, I was like a bead of honey when I saw that piano. I'm like, what is this? And when do I start? Mm. <laughs> I have to do this. Uh, and I started classical lessons at that time and took classical lessons for about three years. And then I got bit by the pop music bug, <laughs> you know, AM and then FM radio just drawing me into the pop music of the day, the early and mid 70s. And started, you know, playing with bands, learned how to play the guitar. <laughs> and. From then on, you know, got involved in different things as a songwriter, playing in bands, managing bands, doing, uh, putting on shows, uh, writing custom songs for weddings and anniversaries for a period of time. And I don't know if I skipped anything. And I worked in a recording studio for a while as well. Wow. So it's a whole gamut of various music related, you know, experiences, you know, throughout my, you know, starting from a child through, you know, my adulthood. Yeah, you did it all. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later, you know, uh, the importance of focus, you know, might be a good thing to, <laughs> to, to remember, uh, because I think, you know, one thing I'll talk about a little bit later is how, you know, when you jump from thing, you know, from one angle to another angle to another angle, you never get really great at any one thing mm. and you don't make inroads that, you know, you might make if you had stayed with that one direction long enough, but we changed all that you know last several years with the keep music alive and the book series we're just focusing on that one thing and it's definitely made a big difference great point great point and joanne tell us about your musical background my musical background is like i wanted to learn to play the violin i brought the violin home i had it for a week and my mom said return it Uh, she says, we can't disturb the neighbors. We lived in an apartment building and all the just wasn't cutting it. Mm. So um, I really wasn't allowed to play any instruments from that point on. When I was in middle school, I sang in the chorus 
and that was lovely. Um, but pretty much after that, I really didn't play any instruments, but music played a very important part of my life because I had a very difficult childhood. Um, my mother suffered from schizophrenia and um, we were kind of like the odd family in the neighborhood because uh, my mother was Japanese and um, we were low income at the time. And so we kind of stood out in a lot of ways, which made it difficult, you know, for me as a child. There was a lot of bullying that went on. Hmm. Music, music is what I always turned to. No matter how bad I was feeling, I could turn on the radio and it just seemed that when I turned on the radio, there was a song waiting for me wow. to help me. Yeah, like every time. And then, so I really feel having music in my life kept me from going down the, a wrong path, like a very wrong path. I had friends that that went into drugs and alcohol and I was just very fortunate that, you know, I did not go down those paths because I always had music to inspire me. And so, um, you know, some years later I met Vincent and then, you know, we had a family and when he was, I guess like earlier on in our relationship, I was actually, um, his manager and I would promote his records to different radio stations uh. across the country and, uh, managed to get some airplay for him. But then I became pregnant. So, uh, with our first daughter. And so I ended up staying home for a number of years and just really focusing on raising the family, um, that I had always dreamed of having. And so back in 2014, uh, Vincent will actually tell you the story of how the book came to be. But in 2014, Vincent came to me and asked me if I wanted to be co-author on the 88 plus ways music can change your life book which at the time we did not know was going to be a series. And so from that point on, um, even though I was still in mom mode, I was able to turn on all my executive, you know, secretarial skills and um, all the, the training I had had. <laughs> so I introduced you as a beginner percussionist and having recently started on the ukulele too. Give us a time frame on those. When did you start with percussion and when did you start with ukulele? So the percussion started about three years ago when we first started doing musical instrument petting zoos. Um, you know, Vincent would handle the guitars of the electric and the acoustic, and he would handle the keys and stuff like that. But, you know, we needed someone to do percussion. And I was so excited about it. I was like purchasing all these different percussion instruments, things I didn't even know were percussion. And so I learned on YouTube how to play many of them. Mm. So that was like really cool. And so I love working with the children for musical instrument petting zoos. And then most recently, um, we started doing, uh, well, when things started opening up, we actually did a ukulele circle. Mm. Um, you know, people who were both experienced and not experienced. And we have like a, over a dozen ukuleles that we bring. So I was, you know, learning the basics so that we could teach the newcomers how to be a beginner player. Now, I introduced the two of you as calling in from the Philadelphia area. So, Vincent and, and Joanne, separately, the stories that you just told about growing up and your musical backgrounds, were those in the Philadelphia area, or were one or both of you in other parts of the country? Actually, Bruce, I am living in, we are living in the house that I grew up in. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, just south of the Philadelphia airport. When my parents retired to Florida about 30 years ago, we ended up buying the house and have been here ever since. Wow. Uh, so my whole experience has been in this area. I did live in New Jersey uh, for about a year and a half with Joanne when we first got together, and then we ended up coming back mm-hmm. here uh, to PA again. Yeah, I was born and raised in Jersey, uh, born in Ocean County and raised in Burlington County in a little town called Mount Holly, where the National Weather Service is. Hmm. Um, I grew up there and, you know, I have so many fond memories and I miss the area, but I do go back every now and then. So now that we've heard about your musical backgrounds, I'm curious as to what inspired you to go down the path of music education advocacy. Well, it's an interesting story, Bruce. You know, the, you know, I had, as I mentioned, had bounced around so many different aspects of music and the music business. And then one day I saw an ad, it was probably on Facebook, about how everybody has a book inside them that they need to write. And and honestly, I never thought I would ever write a book on anything because I didn't consider myself an expert on anything. Uh, just because I bounced around between so many different things. I was an engineer by day and never really focusing on that 100% because I had this music thing going on at night and weekends. But something drew me to listen to that uh, teleseminar training. And... You know, while I'm on the call and listening, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me. Well, what about a book of inspirational stories of how music impacted people's lives? And then we would just pull those stories in, edit them, and then, you know, put them out there to the world to help inspire others of how important music is and to get more kids and adults playing music. And that was just, it was it 2014 in May when that happened? And that just set a whole chain reaction in motion. Uh, that has helped create everything else that's happened since then. You just said 2014. So what year had the two of you gotten married? 1990. Ah, okay. Okay. 91. September of this year, we celebrate 30 years. (laughs) Outstanding. Wow, Bruce. (laughs) Uh, Joanne, anything to add before I move on in terms of inspiration to go down the path of music education advocacy? You know, um, I actually want to mention something about Vincent. You know, he always wanted to go to school for music, but he couldn't because his parents really wanted him to be able to go to college for something that would be much more sustainable as an income, you know, in case he had a family one day. Do you want to tell them a little bit about that? Sure. Basically, how I have always wanted to do music for a living and wanted to go to college for music. And I was you know, dissuaded away from that. And it's kind of been the thing pulling at me, you know, for the last now, you know, 30 years, 35 years. But in 2014, when I had the idea, you know, about going down the music education advocacy route, I got all excited. I got goosebumps and I knew, all right, this is really the path that's going to it's the path where I was meant to be all along. It just took me a while to get here. And it used to be also, you know, all the music things that Vincent did, while it did help other people. Um, I think he felt like it was more focused upon himself, which, you know, he wasn't really big on drawing attention to himself, even though he was a performer. But he really wanted to do something greater than himself, something bigger than himself. Mm. That's where the book first came in, and then the organization, and then the second book. Listeners, you're hearing the word advocacy getting thrown around here. If you never heard episode 270 of the show, 270, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. 
On that episode, I talked with someone from the Recording Academy about their advocacy efforts. Very fascinating work there, so go back and listen to episode 270 as well. Joanne, just continue there. In the intro, I had alluded to the 88 Ways book series, so I think you're saying, well, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Clarify what came first, 88 Ways or Keep Music Alive? (laughs) So actually, Keep Music Alive was the publisher for 88 Ways Music before it was even anything, like before an organization. We just really loved it. So we used Keep Music Alive. We we um, we created the the publishing company, and so it was. They were Keep Music Alive was the publisher, but Eighty Eight Ways Music, the first book, Eighty Eight Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life, is what got the ball rolling. And then um, after we released the book, which took about nine months, we actually contacted over six thousand people hmm. around the world to get stories for the first book. Second book, not so many. We didn't have to. <laughs> but the first book, um, we released in June of 2015. And we decided that we were going to donate 50% of the proceeds from the sales of the book to different music education organizations. And then after that, we came up with, you know, well, we, we need to, to create a nonprofit for keep music alive because we were starting to do things like holding events and things like that and so we felt you know if we were going to be able to really look serious to you know the the general public to other organizations and businesses we needed to become a 501c3 and so we did that and we've been able to do a lot of great things you know we we started doing the musical instrument petting zoos we created the two international music holidays of Teach Music Week in March and Kids Music Day in October. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of been like a whirlwind, even though it's only been since 2014, but, you know, so much has happened. And then this year we just released the second book, which is 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life. I love how she says it's only been since 2014, like seven years is seven days. That's a long time that that you've been at it, and and I'm glad that you walked us through all that. But I want to back up to something that you mentioned, because I was curious as to how you found all the stories for the first book in the 88 Ways series. And you said that 6,000 people, number one, how were you choosing these people? Number two, what was the method of contact? You were emailing 6,000 people and then... Never mind who were they and and how and why were you contacting them, but how in the world did you sort through all those to pick the ones that you wanted to publish? So <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, Joanne began her her, her carpal tunnel journal. <laughs> yeah, reaching out to uh, by email, via Facebook Messenger, and uh, and I did a bunch as well. But together we did six thousand. Uh, mm. Just. Somebody who was a musician, who was in a band, who had some sort of connection with music, we reached out. And because we were brand new at that point in 2014, we didn't have a track record. We didn't have any credentials. No uh, one knew who we were. We were just starting out. Uh, it made it a little more difficult. So we reached 6,000 people, musicians, uh, but we maybe only received a couple hundred responses. Oh, I see. When we were putting it together. Uh, and, you know, we were determined that when we had the idea in, in May 2014 that we were going to publish by June of the next year. So we were kind of just like pushing and pushing. 
And, you know, sometimes people would send in a story and we'd be like, well, that's kind of good, but I think there's probably more to this story. Hmm. And it's amazing. Sometimes you find if you just, you know, push back a little bit and ask some pointed questions, you find out, oh, wait a minute, there's another nugget or two of inspiration that happened in there that they completely left out in the first draft. Yeah, we're looking for the secret sauce. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I know we are either six months after this took place, or I guess you could say six months out from it happening next. But since in the intro I referred to Teach Music Week, which happens in March, how did that come about and what happens during that week? So probably uh, it was in early 2015. I had this crazy idea, Bruce, that there should just be a week every year that musicians everywhere, you know, offer a friend or family member you know, a free 30-minute lesson on whatever instrument that they play. You know, hmm. sometimes you're a guitar player or a keyboard player. That you have, like, somebody you know comes up to you, well, I wish I could play like you, or I wish I learned how to play that guitar. Well, here's an opportunity, you know, for a week, you know, find somebody you know who's always expressed an interest in playing an instrument and just kind of get them started. And so that first year was really nothing more than me just putting out a couple social media posts. And then it wasn't until the following year that I started uh, reaching out to music schools and music stores and saying, hey, we're doing this thing called Teach Music Week. You know, would you like to participate by offering a free lesson to new students that week? And we just, you know, gradually built it up over the years. And, you know, just surely by brute force, uh, no no magic, grassroots, you know, reach, you know, again, the carpal tunnel. And, and most <laughs> of it's leaning on Joanne because I'm, you know, working a different job during the day. And, uh, and what happens during that week is just, you know, we're just giving opportunities to both kids and adults to take a lesson on whatever instrument they've been thinking about taking or maybe multiple lessons, you know, go to a couple different schools, a couple different scores, stores and take that opportunity to put yourself in front of that drum kit, put yourself in front of that keyboard or with that guitar in your hand and have somebody, a teacher, show you some things for 30 minutes and see if you're drawn to it and want to continue on. I love and what it. May- initially with maybe 30 or 50 you know people saying yeah i'll give a lesson you know for that first year to now over a thousand i you know it's it's been exciting to watch it grow Mm. i'll bet i'll bet and i love vince the story that you told in terms of that initially it was just hey you know what give someone in your family a, a lesson that that day or that week on the guitar or on the piano or whatever it is and then seeing it grow organically into because when I hear, and, and that's why I love that the two of you are on the show and explaining all this, because when I hear Teach Music Week, immediately your mind goes to music teachers in schools. And so for you to say, no, we're going to the shops, we are just appealing to people on their own, whether they're hobbyists or they're in a band, but to look within their own home, you're obviously, and the numbers just bored out, as Joanne attested to, growing this so, so much from something that started as hey, you know what, spend some time with your little brother or your, or your sister and show them what it is that you do and see if it appeals to them. Yes, exactly. And, and actually for the first several years, just because of time limits, you know, we were focused on the music schools and the music stores. But of recent years, we also do reach out to, to music, school music associations and encourage them to participate in some way, whether it's offering some extra you know, music lessons after school or, or whatever they have that might be available. You know, it's really open to anybody and everything and every organization. Just in the beginning, several years, we were just time limited to what we could 
manage. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Philadelphia area by Vincent James and Joanne Pierre Domenico. They are the co-founders of Keep Music Alive, as well as Kids Music Day and Teach Music Week. Visit their website at keepmusicalive.org. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, keepmusicalive.org. There are buttons, logos, icons along the side of the homepage there for Keep Music Alive on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So do follow them on social media. There is a separate website for the book series, which you can see at 88waysmusic.com, the number eight, two times, 88waysmusic.com. There are links on that site to purchase the books in that series from Amazon. Speaking of getting educated, have you gotten yourself into my online class yet that teaches you all about maximizing interviews that you get on radio, TV, podcasts, or other media? It's on demand, meaning you go at your own pace, so you don't have to worry about a certain day and time when it meets. It's packed with close to 30 tips so that you can better position yourself for getting results for your business, your product, or your service. And I've also included a module that contains more than 15 sources you can use to try to get more interviews. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get registered so you can roll up your sleeves with the videos and the downloadable PDFs that go with all this content. Take advantage of all my years of experience not only hosting this show, but booking my clients into interviews, plus all the time that I spent working in the Olympic movement and the National Hockey League facilitating media interviews with players, coaches, and executives. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get started today so that you benefit from the time you put into being interviewed. Vincent, Joanne, I mentioned in the intro that in a few weeks, specifically on Friday, October 1st, it will be Kids Music Day. What inspired the idea for that and what happens that day? So we had met a gal, Bruce, uh, it was in early 2016 or the middle of 2016, and she was doing something called Kids Yoga Day, where she was partnering with locations and yoga instructors all around the world to create this holiday called Kids Yoga Day. And I have to say, Bruce, I heard that for about a minute. I'm like, Kids Yoga Day? I wonder if there's a Kids Music Day. Mm. I went to our dear friend Google and asked, and... (laughs) No such thing. So I'm like, well, there is now. Hmm. We thought, sure, there had to be one. But I'll tell you what, when we saw that there wasn't one, we immediately bought up the URL. (laughs) (laughs) And so what we do on Kids Music Day is we partner with many of the same music schools, music stores, and other music organizations. And what they do is they hold some sort of event or promotion that either benefits or celebrates kids playing music. These can range from a student performance in-house or out in the community an instrument donation drive, could be an instrument petting zoo event, could be a kid's open mic, could even be a kid's uh, music day sale on instruments or lesson programs, anything they can imagine. I mean, last year with COVID, you know, the schools had drive-in concerts where their kids uh, were performing, you know, out in the parking lot, separated with masks, hmm. uh, and the parents pulling up in, you know, the cars and, and listening and having it set up that way. Just whatever they can come up with, we're interested in using that as a funnel to reach out to the media to get the media talking about it so that more parents will get their kids involved in playing music to kind of kind of drive the cycle forward. When the audience gets on your website, they will see a lot of impressive, familiar names and faces. How did you get celebrity artists to support your mission? Well, 
it was this little thing called make a wish list. <laughs> so we started with a wish list of different artists whom we would love to have been a Kids Music Day ambassador. And so I really actually started with my database that I created from when I was researching story uh, contributors for the book series, for the first book. And we had reached out to a number of celebrities um, to get stories and, and quotes and you know inspirational pieces. And so they are in the first book. And so I started with that list and then I created additional lists. <laughs> and then from that, I just started reaching out to the publicists or the managers of you know various artists. And sometimes I even was able to reach the artist directly. So that was great. And, you know, we were we were a little concerned that we might not be able to get celebrities as ambassadors because, again, we weren't really anyone that anybody knew. But um, we were just so pleasantly surprised when we started getting yeses. Um, We got a lot of no's, but it's okay. You have to go through the no's to get to the yeses. And I think the one celebrity that said yes made it so much easier for other celebrities to say yes and that one particular celebrity was julie andrews Mm. so it was like once once people saw her name it was like yeah people were like sure we want to be kids music day ambassadors (laughs) and we're just so so very grateful to them all because they're lending their name and image in support of the importance of music for children and music education. So having music in children's lives and music education. And so we're just, we're speechless every time, you know, we get communication back from them. And we were very fortunate this past year for the fifth annual Kids Music Day to have an official spokesperson who created an amazing Kids Music Day a performance video of his uh, Disney songs. And uh, that was Matthew Morrison from Glee and Broadway. And then in addition to his video, what we actually put as a collection into the video was a really funny video from Jack Black <laughs> and a really sweet video from Vanessa Williams, all in support of Kids Music Day. Outstanding. Outstanding. And where can the audience for this show go and see some of those videos that you're referring to? So the the full collection, the uh, Matthew Morrison Disney Dream and for Kids Music Day actually was licensed limited for, I believe, six months by Disney. So after six months, they had to pull that down. Uh. But testimonial videos, uh, you know, the funny one by Jack Black and the sweet one by... Uh, Vanessa Williams, who, by the way, her parents are both were both music educators, uh, is available on our Facebook page for Keep Music Alive. You can see the the videos, uh, okay. and they're, they're they're priceless, and we're so incredibly grateful. Yes. Okay. And Joanne, there's something that you said in there, and whether you answer this question or Vincent or both of you, but I did make me wonder what are a few of your favorite inspirational music stories. Hmm. Quite a few. So I have one uh, that I like to tell, Bruce, and it came to us, and actually, this was for the first book, and when we got the story, this is when we knew that we were we were really on to something special, and it actually came to us from a celebrity, from Simon Kirk, who was the drummer for Bad Company and the band Free before that, 
and Simon was doing a, a drum clinic over in the UK. He's in a large auditorium and he's up on stage and the house lights are down and the you know the bright lights are up him on him on the stage and he's demonstrating different instruments, different percussion techniques. And as he's doing this, he's starting to hear a clicking sound coming from somewhere. And he can't really tell where it's coming from, but so he just continues on. He pulls out, you know, different cymbals, different little percussion instruments, uh, pulls out the brushes, you know, on the snare and show what that does. Uh, and again, the clicking sounds continue. And after a while, Simon's actually starting to get a little annoyed. Like, you know, who's blasted clicking sounds? You know, it's driving me crazy. But, you know, he's a professional and doesn't say a word. And finally, at the end of the presentation, the house lights go up. And for the first time, Simon can see all the way to the back of the auditorium. And there he sees a row of wheelchairs with children sitting in them. And in their hands, they're holding drumsticks. Mm. They have been playing with him the entire time. Mm. Uh, Simon you know, the stage uh, ran to the back and, uh, and, and uh, the adult there said you know the children like to use you know the drumsticks that helps them but you know physical therapy and emotional therapy it actually is very helpful to them and I hope it wasn't you know distracting to you and yeah. Simon's like oh, no and he sat he knelt down to each one of the kids you know held their hand and said thank you thank you so very much for playing with me today mm. uh, I think Simon was a changed man after that well, that one's going to be tough to beat, but Joanne, I'll, I'll let you weigh in if you want to just give us one, because I'm sure you've heard of many, but but does is there one inspirational music story that stands out for you? Yes, there's a beautiful story by a gentleman by the name of Miguel Saig, and his story is uh, entitled, Music Brought My Mother Back to Me. And in his story, he talks about how his mother was an educator, uh, not a music teacher, but she was an educator, but they always had music in their house. So growing up, you know, him, his father, his uncles, like everyone, they were playing an instrument or they were singing. And so music was an important part of their life, even if it wasn't like uh, their correct career um, path. And so um, shortly after his mother retired from teaching, she was diagnosed with dementia. And Dementia really is the, the robber of memory. Um, it just takes so much away from a person. The people that are suffering from dementia, they don't know they're suffering from it, but the family around them, they suffer as well. And so his father was always taking care of his mother, um, you know, making sure she never got out of sight because <laughs> you never know where she might go or what she might do. So Miguel um, actually gave his, you know, his dad an evening off. He was like, you know, why don't I come over and take mom out for a while? Um, his father had wanted to go play chess with his friends. So he was like, yep, go ahead. I've got it. Mom and I will be great. So he takes her out. He's, you know, running some errands. And then just out of nowhere, he started humming a song from his childhood. And in the front seat of the car, his mom perked right up and started singing the song like she had just sang it yesterday mm. and it had been many years since she had heard that song and he was so excited you know tears streaming down his face that his mother could remember that this was a song that she sang with him when he was little yeah. you know and growing up I have such goosebumps as I talk about this story um, you know, she didn't always remember who everyone was, you know, in the family, but 
she was able to sing this song and she was belting it out like there was no tomorrow. And then as soon as the song ended, she just kind of went back into her quiet little self. Mm. Gail said, you know, that that's a day I will never forget because music brought my mother back to me. And how and how and for the audience, I hope that you're being inspired by these stories that you're hearing. I hope that the wheels are turning in terms of what you can do to in some way participate in Kids Music Day. And even though it is not for another six more months, even think ahead to what you can do as part of Teach Music Week. And it's important as you hear the way this has grown over the years for both Vincent and Joanne that they continue to get the word out about all these different things that they're doing. Joanne and I actually met each other two months ago in Nashville at the Summer NAM show, an opportunity to get the word out to some folks in the industry. Joanne, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was that the first time as an exhibitor at Summer NAM for Keep Music Alive? Yes, it was our very first time, and we were so excited to do it, and we had a great time. Yeah, just talk about the response that you got from all the different people that you were able to educate on the different things that you and Vincent are doing. So we we actually got to meet such a, a great variety of people, um, people who were interested in the book, people who were interested in possibly contributing a story for the next book, which we don't know when is coming out yet, but we're always accepting stories. Um, and we we got, you know, some great feedback we talked to different music school uh, schools and stores that were there and musicians about um, Teach Music Week and Kids Music Day. And so we were able to create more awareness by having a booth and being able to share about Teach Music Week and, and Kids Music Day and the book series. And what I forgot to mention previously is that the second book, 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life, we now donate 80% of the proceeds to music education and service nonprofits. Well, and I want to back up to your experience at the Summer NAM show because it sounds like the many, many people that you interact with on behalf of all these different things that you're doing, we're all there. So there is a place for artists when it comes to keep music alive. There is a place for music stores. There is a place for manufacturers, and I'm sure that they were all one more interested than the next to find out how they can get involved and participate in some way wherever they're based with Keep Music Alive. So it sounds like that was very much a successful time for you in Nashville at the Summer NAM show. Let's go back to the 88 Ways book series because of something that you just said, Joanne. Are you open to anyone who's listening right now submitting a story for consideration in the next book? And if so, what is the deadline? What are the parameters? How did they submit? All those types of questions. Yes, Definitely taking submissions. As I mentioned, we don't have a publication date yet because we're we're really focusing energy on the first two books and getting those out and, you know, to get more people um, aware of it so that we can raise more money for music education. But um, if anyone is interested in submitting a story, they can email us for further information. Uh, stories at 88waysmusic.com. S-T-O-R-I-E-S at 88 waysmusic.com and on the website I believe there's also a link there as well on 88waysmusic.com there's a link for submitting a story as well and yeah. you were generally looking for you know a thousand to twelve hundred words max and the story does not have to be perfect out of the box you know it can just be a draft we're mostly looking for the idea is it something that we really feel a connection with and then if we do you know we would work to develop the story further 
Perfect, perfect. That's a great, great explanation. And Vincent, at the start of this interview, you started to go down the road of a thing or two that you've learned over time, and you said we can talk about this later. So let's wrap up the following way. Since this episode has sort of an educational theme to it, I want to end with a potential teaching moment. What are some lessons, and this question is for both of you, that you've learned during your journey so far that might benefit artists and songwriters who are out there working to succeed in the industry? Never give up. And for me, it was, you know, reaching out to people. And sometimes I would, you know, not hear anything from people or I would get a no. And but, you know, I would always be pleasantly persistent. You just don't give up. You keep moving forward. Um, the whole thing with Julie Andrews, when I first started reaching out for her in 2014, was for a story in the book. And so for three or four years, I had, you know, been just every now and then, you know, writing back, never hearing a word back. Mm. But when I sent an email about Kids Music Day Ambassadors, they wrote back immediately and said, Miss Andrews would love to be a Kids Music Day Ambassador. Mm. So it just show you know you have to push through the nose to get to the yeses and um silence doesn't necessarily mean no yeah it might just mean not right now and that's part of the four p's approach that i've always told people that i take with my business now hear this incorporated my four p's approach is patient polite professional but persistent so vincent how about you what are some lessons that you've learned during your journey so far that might benefit artists and songwriters out there who are listening right now Oh, absolutely, and I love the four P's. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote that again when I remember the four. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, in addition to the silence, for me, it's always silence never means no, because you just don't know. But focus is a big thing. You know, figure out what it is you really want to go after. I mean, I started out in the world as a songwriter, and I started having some success in that, and then I allowed myself to get pulled into managing bands, and kind of you know lost my focus from songwriting. And then I did that for a while, and then I got pulled into something else. Whereas if I had stayed with any one of those things for a longer period of time and continued to build my craft, build my connections, my network, uh, you know, the story would have grown a little differently. Uh, so, you know, my advice, you know, to folks out there is pick what it is that you want to do and try really hard to stick with it and improve, you know, each year your your craft and your networking, your connections, and that along with persistence, persistence, persistence. Uh, you know, will go a long ways to making progress in wherever it is you're trying to achieve. They always say that the dumb question is the one not asked. So instead of wrapping up, I want to ask one more question, which is, as people hear this episode and the wheels start turning and they get some ideas of what they're going to do on October 1st for Kids Music Day or even six months from now, when they say, I know how I want to participate in Teach Music Week. Are the two of you interested in hearing what people are doing out there in celebration of these two events? Meaning, is it, yeah, we'll repost it on our social media, or, oh gosh, if it's something overwhelming, we may do something on our own with it? Or how do you like to acknowledge all those different initiatives that people are doing on their own out there? Oh, absolutely, Bruce. In fact, on you know the Teach Music Week website and the Kids Music Day website, uh, we list all the participating locations that we know about, uh, and you can search by zip code or by state, city and state, or if it's international, by country. And I think Canada is also by postal code. So we post, you know, include them listings, you know, on what they're doing. And then even if it's not, you know, sometimes it's interesting. We hear about things that it's not even a school that we reached out to or we had no connection with them, and we hear 
that they're doing something about Kids Music Day. So we go to put it on the website just to give them a little bit more of a plug. So we're absolutely thrilled to hear from anyone who's interested in doing anything with Teach Music Week and Kids Music Day, whether they want to be, you know, formally involved with what we're doing or just doing it, you know, informally on their own. You know, we would love to encourage that. And I also want to mention, you know, there is absolutely no fee to be a part of what we do. We, you know, put the listings up on the on the websites and, you know, what we do is about helping to get more families interested in music. And so by having all these different people and, you know, companies and schools and stores and organizations, um, it just makes it easier for families out there to discover what's available to them. And then we promote to local, to local print, radio and TV and all the markets where things are happening. So try to get the media talking about it. And I've had, you know, a number of successes on all three of those mediums of the, the media talking about it and, you know, getting more exposure and so that more families are aware. Well, and I think it would be safe to assume, Vincent, when you were talking about listing online what people are doing, if you look and you see that someone's already doing something in your city, don't give up and say, oh, well, someone's already doing it here because just because one person or one store is doing something, say, here in Tampa, for example, doesn't mean that there's not room for a second person or a fifth person or a tenth person or a fifteenth store to do it because obviously the more promotion for these events, the better. As you can tell, nobody's in this to make money. It's a nonprofit, as Joanne described earlier, and so it's just really for the greater good of music on the whole. Absolutely, and the perspective we like to hold with this, Bruce, uh, in so many ways is simply a rising tide lifts all boats. We're all in this together to help you know more kids and adults reap the many benefits of playing music, and it's it's all good. The more, the merrier. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well said. And thank you both again for everything that you are doing for the promotion of music. And I really appreciate you making time to come on now here this entertainment. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And we thank you so very much for having us. It's been a great conversation, and we hope that your listeners are inspired either to check out the stories or check out what's happening in their areas during these different music holidays or who knows what. Outstanding. Outstanding. That will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Vincent James and Joanne Pierre Domenico, the co-founders of Keep Music Alive, as well as Kids Music Day and Teach Music Week. Visit their official website at keepmusicalive.org. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Remember that they are on social media, too, and that from the homepage of their website, you can look along the right-hand side for links to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I did all three of those myself this morning, and I'm sure that the two of them would appreciate you doing the same as well. There is also a separate website for their book series that you heard them talk about. Find more about that by visiting 88waysmusic.com, 88waysmusic.com. Look for the links there to purchase those books from Amazon, and be sure to let Vincent and Joanne know that you heard them and now hear this entertainment. Again, a reminder that if you are someone who gets interviewed or thinks you should be getting interviewed, or maybe you should be getting interviewed more, then the online class that I launched will definitely benefit you. At interviewtipscourse.com, I have extensive content that I'm teaching in an on-demand, go-at-your-own-pace format with close to 30 tips on how to get more from the time you invest in doing all those interviews and a module that has more than 15 sources for potentially finding more interviews that you can get booked for. 
Don't do interviews and come away saying, that was a waste of time. I really didn't get anything out of it. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get started now. That will do it for episode 396. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.